This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Cisco Systems and Cyber, Cyber Bastion, a diaspora-owned small business. And this will include partnerships between African-American, African-American companies to provide cybersecurity services to help save lives and combat COVID-19, particularly in Prosper Africa deal room. That sounds like something that we shouldn't be saying. Proper, you know, Prosper Africa deal room. I kept asking, where's the, where's the deal room? I think I'm looking at it. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. What on earth was Biden saying in those clips? I, I just... It never ceases to amaze. BlazeTV.com slash stew is the place to go. Use the code stew. Save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, like this video right this second. Click follow. Click the bell. Do all the things. We appreciate it. Bobby Burak is here to weigh in on the Twitter file. I can't get over it. I can't get over the Biden clip. It was so absolutely impossibly stupid. Okay, Bobby Burak here to talk about Twitter. That'll be fun. Uh, we have a whole new group of idiots gluing themselves to things, our new favorite segment on the show. But we start by doing a very Biden Christmas. Yes, it is that time of year, the most glorious, magical time of year where Joe Biden makes up all sorts of new words and prepositions and nouns and verbs and who knows what he's doing. But he also improves your life. You know, we did yesterday, we did the successes of Joe Biden, the many, many successes of Joe Biden. And I got to tell you, it was one of the most frustrating segments. I, it, it was all based on one little graphic. Just, you know, the, hey, CNN saying, look at all these accomplishments of Joe Biden. He's had a lot of successes recently, hasn't he? No, he hasn't. And let me give you another rundown of where we are right now. What is what does a very Biden Christmas look like? Now, Joe Biden looks to be the Democratic nominee in 2024. And I know a lot of people have been telling me forever that he's not going to be the guy. And I keep saying, look, the number one reason why he will be the Democratic nominee, assuming he can stay alive, which watching that last clip, I'm not confident of. But if he can stay alive, is because he, Joe Biden, really wants to be president of the United States. This has been his dream his entire life. He does not want to lose this gig. He wants to stay in this job forevermore. So just the fact that he wants it will likely make him the Democratic nominee. There have been some reports, though, behind the scenes that maybe the family isn't really behind this idea. They think, hey, dad's completely incoherent. Maybe he shouldn't be president. Let's see. Well, that's all turned around. And, and I will say this. And I've mentioned this several times to you. The election did not go the best way possible. We would have loved to see Republicans with 54 or 55 seats in the Senate and 240 seats in the House, that would have been great. However, one of the sort of sneaky little bonuses and benefits of, of the Republicans not doing all that well in the 2022 election 
is that it has empowered Joe Biden to be the 2024 nominee. And you can only do so much with the House and Senate when there's a Democratic president. However, you can do a lot if you have all three. And there's a real chance that we might, will see this. The best way forward for Democrats to be out of the White House is Joe Biden running as a Democrat to be in the White House. This would be very good. Let me go through these headlines here. Jill Biden has now made a title shift from her thoughts on another run at the White House. So this is according to CNN. Seven, seven people familiar with Biden's thinking told CNN that her private conversations about another run now match her publicly enthusiastic persona, as well as the sentiments of President Joe Biden. It's important to note what they just said there, which was yet again, a Biden was lying on camera. <laughs> you know, they just throw that in as if it's nothing. Joe Bi- or Jill Biden was sitting there blabbing about how excited she was for another run and actually was saying the exact opposite. She meant the exact opposite. She was just lying. Just shrug your shoulders. Not even part of the story. The first lady will most skept- was the mostly skeptical as of early fall. Not a proponent, as one person familiar with her thinking told CNN. That would be my uh, assessment of the Biden presidency. I'm not a proponent. I am not. Uh, But in the month since the November midterm elections, in which Democrats defied the fate of most parties of first-term presidents, friends noted a change. Jill Biden is now all in on the idea, according to a person who works in the East Wing. Now, it is true, by the way, that Joe Biden has been this way the entire time. He's always wanted to run, wanted to get Jill on board. Now she's on board because she said, well, I guess maybe the American people don't really mind when we uh, teach kids, you know, deep sexual concepts and, uh, you know, base all of our uh, teachings on race and and defund the police and all of these crazy concepts. Maybe we can still get away with that. So let's go. We can do it. And look, what possible bad thing could possibly come from a Joe Biden presidency? Why not four more? Why not six more years from right now? We're all going to celebrate a very Biden Christmas here coming up in just a couple of weeks. And let me give you a preview of what that looks like right now. November retail sales fell in the biggest drop in nearly a year. Shoppers slowed spending on autos, furniture and other goods as inflation cooled. Sales at U.S. retail stores, online sellers and restaurants fell by a seasonally adjusted 0.6 percent in November from the previous month, Commerce Department said. That was a slowdown from October's robust robust 1.3 percent sales increase. Shoppers spent less on holiday categories, including electronics, clothing, sporting goods, both online and at department stores. They spent more on everyday staples such as food and healthcare stores, but also on restaurant meals. Bottom line here is people are a little freaked out about the economy. Now, we all know because of Biden's previous screw-ups, they had to do something to stop the inflation. Well, to do that, they've raised the rates, and now that's starting to bite people. And people might just not have enough to go under the tree this year. Hopefully, Santa and his elves are busy. Hopefully, they're building lots of stuff because parents aren't going to be able to afford nearly as much for the kiddies this year. Small businesses brace for Christmas crisis as inflation cuts profits. So these stores, who really depend on this time of year to make sure that they can actually stay in the black, instead are finding this time of year to be among the most difficult because the money has stopped flowing at least a little bit from the government. They are now raising rates. They can't borrow at low rates. People aren't putting stuff on their credit cards as much. So 
that whole thing is drying up. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce and MetLife released their quarterly small business index on Wednesday. Survey found 53% of small business owners named inflation their biggest problem, a 30% increase from the same poll last year, and a 61% expect less holiday profit because of inflation. Another 79% said the holiday season is critical to their profits this year, up from 70% last December, and 83% said inflation had a significant impact on their business in 2022. So inflation ruins their business all year. They really need a good Christmas to get over the hump. And now everything's sort of collapsing on their business for Christmas so they can't make up the gap from the previous Biden inflation. It's a very Biden Christmas, everybody. Um, how about this? Inflation is raising the price of Christmas with some trees now selling for over $100. Now, look, if you're going to a, uh, a live, a real tree farm, let's call it, uh, whether it's live or they're already previously cut down, you know that th- there's a trade-off to be made. You can get a, 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 a tree that's um, artificial, and you put it in your house, and you take it down, you throw it in your garage, or you throw it in, a, in an attic somewhere, bring it back the next year. You're paying for multiple y- trees, right? Like, you're going to pay more for a tree like that. It's gonna be, it could easily be over $100. Uh, but when you're buying the, the tree that's supposed to be like the one they just cut down from the field, like you don't want to be spending $100 on that. Now, as a person who's lived in the South, and if you are in the South, you may know this as well. If you're going to buy live trees in the South, sometimes they do cost a lot more. This is happening all over the country, though, not just in the South. Gifts and food are costing Americans more this holiday season. Holiday decorations are costing more. Some Christmas trees selling for over $100. Gary Thomas, who has a sprawling farm near the Pennsylvania-Maryland border, is one of the farmers who had to raise the price of trees this year, charging more than $100 for one of his finest. He has said he had to pay more to keep workers in a competitive labor market and that his supply prices are spiking. Again, Pennsylvania should not be a place where trees are expensive. They got lots of trees there. Lots of Christmas-type trees up there. And you're not transporting these things all the way. You know, you're in Arizona. You're in Miami. All right. Like, it's good. you're probably going to spend a little bit more for a tree. Pennsylvania? They're all over the place. I mean, you, you just, there, there's almost too many trees in Pennsylvania. I think they should clear-cut the entire state. That's my new policy. And honestly, with that policy, I think I could still have beaten John Fetterman. But that's a whole different story. Squeezed by inflation, families are tightening their holiday budgets. Again, the poor kids better be depending on Santa and the elves this year because mommy and daddy are going to say, tough times, kid, you get squat. You wanted coal? Well, coal's been banned. We can't even put the coal in your stocking this year because uh, Biden said there's too too many emissions associated with it. So you get nothing. A big fat zilch. The highest inflation since the 1980s is making holiday budgeting a more complex equation for millions of middle-class families. A November Quinnipiac poll found that 47% of Americans have less in savings than they did just a year ago. The same poll found 42% plan to spend less on gifts this season, and only 8% plan to spend more. Overall, holiday spending hasn't slowed yet, according to the National Retail Federation, but many families are making sacrifices to buy presents for their loved ones. So they're sucking it up in other areas at the very best to keep Christmas consistent, but in many cases, it's not even living up to that. And that leads us to changes in our culture. Because what happens? What happens when you go through this whole process? Inflation skyrockets. People lose their jobs. People can't pay for Christmas presents. People are having tough times. What do you do? 
one of the most expensive things that you got to do if you happen to be the wrong household in the family, you're the family that holds Christmas dinner. Everyone piles into their cars. They all drive to your place. You cook a bunch of food up. You have a bunch of desserts. Everyone has a nice family day together. There might be a couple fights that break out. Okay, sure, that might happen. Uh, but generally speaking, people are happy. It's, it's jolly time with the family. This year, there's a little bit of an adjustment going on. And I want to prepare you for this because we're only a couple weeks away from it. And you may be getting this email or this text or this call from one of your family members. You're about to go have dinner at their house. This may be the text you receive. Here's the question. Should you charge your family for Christmas dinner? Yes, this is where we are in America. As people gear up for the biggest festive season since the COVID-19 pandemic, the backdrop of rising prices is causing anxiety for many. Some families have even announced plans to charge their loved ones for their annual festive meal, asking for as much as $20 a head. While it might seem, yeah, like an unusual concept, more people are discussing the idea of charging for their festive meal on social media this year. Facebook threads are on the topic, are amassing thousands of comments and posts on both the Mumsnet and Reddit are going viral. Think about where we are. We are now at a place where you have to basically open up your own Applebee's in your dining room to have your family over. You got to charge people for family meals around Christmas. This is a real concern for a lot of people. And this is sort of the whole concept of a very Biden Christmas. It sucks. You can't get any presents under the tree. The tree, you probably don't even have one because it costs so much. People are coming over. They're, they're bringing their, their Venmos and their, and their checkbooks over to get some, you know, macaroni and cheese and Christmas turkey. And you know, probably everybody in the family lost their job. All that being said, Merry Christmas from Joe Biden and the White House. So will the lack of a red wave during the midterms lead to a more emboldened Biden? Oh, God, I hope not. More wasteful government spending. Well, that's probably going to happen. Higher taxes. Probably going to happen. How will you protect your hard-earned savings from the reinvigorated left? The answer, of course, gold. Gold is the world's oldest, most proven form of currency. It's there when inflation soars. It go, it's there when other assets go sideways. That's why Birch Gold is so thrilled to announce a new product that reimagines gold as a currency. It's called the Gold Back. Uh, this month, you'll get a free gold back for every, I think it's $5,000 purchased uh, when you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a uh, precious metals IRA. And Birch can help you. If you don't know what any of that means, Birch Gold can walk you through this entire thing. You just got to do it by December 22nd. Birch Gold will help you own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered account. You guys got to get the information. Text STU to 989898. STU to 989898. You can claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Plus, with every purchase you make before December 22nd, you'll get a free gold back. This is a great stocking stuffer just in time for Christmas. 989898 is the number. Just text my name, Stu, to that number. Protect your savings with gold today from Birch Gold. It's text the word Stu to 989898 for Birch Gold. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling 
wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Happy to welcome Bobby Burak back to the show. He is an OutKick columnist, and you can check out all of his work on OutKick as well as everywhere on social media. Bobby, how's it going, man? Stu, appreciate having me back on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, in fact, it's a little bit of a celebration. We're getting close to Christmas time, and I was looking for you know a Christmas present for myself. And then I saw your column, which is, this is the title. Jamel Hill's new book has sold just 5,034 copies, proving to be her latest epic failure. Bobby, you shouldn't have. Thank you so much. Yes, Stu, and it's, it's funny you bring that up because I got this idea because I was at Barnes & Noble. I do like to read. I like to read history books and crime novels and all that. And I saw Jamel Hill have a big stand at the local Barnes & Noble. I'm thinking, wow, she's getting more promotion than any other author. So I went to Amazon, New York Times, Apple to see how her book was selling. And Stu, I couldn't find it on the charts. Apple lists the top 200 books. And Jamel Hill's book, a week, two weeks, three weeks, hadn't made the charts. So I called on the researchers at OutKick and they scoured over some publishing data, reached out to some publisher. And we found out that her book, a month and a half later, has sold a total of 5,034 copies, Stu. Um, that's below Spooky Pookie in the last two weeks, and that's a Halloween book. So Halloween <laughs> books are outselling Jamel Hill. There's this book called Flashcards, which contains four cards that say C, they, but, and Anne. That's outselling Jamel Hill. Um, I think there's probably even a book about you know, recapping white fragility that's still outdoing Jamel Hill. So the list is endless. Um, on Amazon right now, she ranks like 4,000 among all books, despite having front page bidding. Um, you know, congrats to Jamel, because like she said, she's been working her whole life for this moment. She had to overcome racism, stew from ESPN, from childhood to Spotify, to Atlantic, to Donald Trump bullying her. All of this accumulated with her new book. So, um, you know, if you want to get a new book, I would say the local Barnes and Noble has stacked because nobody's bought it at that location yet. <laughs> it's amazing because that is her pitch about pretty much everywhere she's been in her life. A story of constant flow of racism pointed toward her, yet she seems to get all of these really good jobs and no one can really point to any time in her entire career she's been successful. I mean, I, I've never seen anyone have any passion for Jamel Hill. I've never seen her have a lot of fans. She just seems to be one of these people that is able to move around from you know big job to big job to big job, big paycheck to big paycheck to big paycheck, with really no discernible reason. Yeah, her last three stops before the book sales were Sports Center at 6 p.m. canceled a show on Vice where she called a lot of white people racist, not all white people, but most white people racist. That was canceled. She had a CNN Plus show. Well, you know where that is. She has a highly promoted podcast on Spotify. Nobody's listening to that. Has this new book. Stu, you talk about failing up. She ought to be the poster child, not for the billboard of overcoming racism, which there is right now, but the billboard of failing up. I mean, by the way, I don't know how old you are, Stu, and I hate to ask, but Jamel Hill always says that middle-aged white guys dream of holding her back. So she's kind of referencing you, saying that you have <laughs> dreams of holding her back. So 
know, middle-aged white guys, obviously a big issue, not only in Jamel Hill's life, but my life, everybody's life, even white male middle-aged life. I mean, white guys, the worst. I mean, it seems like holding her back from success is something she does very well on her own. I don't, I don't think she needs yeah. any help from, uh, from boring white people like myself. Um, <laughs> what, what I think is kind of interesting here, though, is the one place you would say Jamel Hill does get a lot of attention, does have a lot of followers, would be Twitter. And she has a big audience there. Uh, she's always being retweeted. She's always out there gaslighting the audience and getting all sorts of pushback, calling everybody racist. You know, and it's interesting when you see this as it relates to the book sales. Like, obviously, Twitter can't be real life. If you can have millions of followers on Twitter and get all this attention, and then when you come out with a book that addresses all these things, you can only sell 5,034 copies. Yeah, it really goes to the disconnect between Twitter and the general public. And, there, and there's so many examples of this. A good one is AOC has a new documentary on climate change. Twitter and the critics on Rotten Tomatoes say it's one of the best documentaries in years, monumental, award-worthy. Well, according to The Blaze and other outlets, her she sold $81 worth of tickets across all the theaters for climate change documentary air. So this disconnect really goes on and on and on. I mean, we were told on Twitter and in the press that Buzz Lightyear having a same-sex kissing scene was a great moment. That movie flopped. We heard that Top Gun was overrated wasn't going to work people don't really care about that now um it was broke records i believe a memorial day record so the disconnect between twitter the press and reality is obviously substantial and um i think that brings in a bigger question is why is that are twitter people on the other side afraid to give their opinion i mean until elon musk took over there was a report in july that said 67 percent of people were afraid to give their honest opinion on social and political issues online well i happen to think that that creates an over index of a certain opinion which i think what you see over and over again is the over amplification of one side where the other side, which tends to be sometimes a majority, has really little underrepresentation on these social media platforms. Mm, yes, this is very, very true. Let's go over to the Twitter files here for a second. You brought up yeah. Elon Musk. Uh, he's come in, and I think he's trying to solve the, the issues that you're describing there. Right. You know, there is an over-index. Everybody who works there is super liberal. They don't right. seem to have any passion for free speech whatsoever. He's coming in there. He's, he's released all these files to these... Uh, uh, you know, pretty solid journalists to kind of, uh, you know, let let everybody know what's going on behind the scenes. What's your sort of 50,000 foot take on, on the Twitter files so far? Yes, I wrote a column about this. I encourage everybody to check it out. Stu, you go back a year ago, detractors of Twitter would have said three things, that Twitter is shadow banning accounts, they're governed with political motivation, and they're conclu conclu uh, colluding with the government. The Twitter files through five editions now have proven those three things that we were told were conspiracies to be precisely true. We know they practice shadow banning with Dan Bongino, Charlie Kirk, Elon Musk, so they did the same thing with political candidates. We see internal documents that show communications between the Biden administration and the DNC telling Twitter what, what accounts to ban and what posts to take down. They're including with the government. And we know from a Project Veritas leak that high-ranking Twitter executives have admitted that people in charge had a political ideology, and they deemed the content that was counter contradictive of that to be problematic and not worthy of the implication. So all the conspiracies about Twitter 
even founder Jack Dorsey called them conspiracy theories. They have all been proven to be realities and true. What we have right here is really a stranglehold of the conversation being lifted by Elon Musk. Everything Twitter did was really to interfere with the distribution of factual public information. It really was. I mean, it's funny because yeah. we talk about this right. stuff all the time. And we, you know, right. and I think at times we feel like, you know, we're not getting a fair shake in the media. Right. And we all can see it. We can all see the anecdotal evidence. Never do you think you're going to be able to see the actual internal Slack messages where they're right. doing it. I mean, it really is a remarkable moment in history where with all this sort of wide release of information, we've never seen a CEO come in, take over a company, and then seemingly make his central uh, task to show that the company used to suck really bad and he wants to fix it. I mean, this is a really, it's a really different story. And I, I think we're learning things uh, that were supposed to be kept quiet. The, the, the quiet part is being said out loud unintentionally here. Yeah, and if you look at the highlights of these files, you see obviously the Hunter Biden story, credibly the reported story, suppressed. Alex Berenson was permanently banned from Twitter for posting inconvenient messaging about the mRNA vaccines, which turned out to be accurate. We saw them deamplify Kirk, Bongino, some of Trump's tweets. So what we have right here is a concerted effort to tell people, hey, this information is not going to be available for you. And the vast majority of that information turned out to be correct. You take it a step further, Stu, on Sunday, the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, they completely ignore the Twitter files revelations. Again, you take it a step further. What are they doing? They're limiting the distribution of factual information, which is what Twitter files is. So between the press, the Democratic National Committee, the Biden administration, and formerly Twitter, there is a push to tell people exactly what information should and should not be available for them. And I find that to be very concerning because the more information we have, the smarter society we can be. And the efforts right now is to do the exact opposite of that. That is to make us dumber and more reliant on a limited number of outlets and amount of information. What's the right response here, Bobby? Do we look at this and say, okay, look, Elon's released this information. Now everyone can see it. The market will figure it out. People will stay on Twitter or they won't want to stay on Twitter. Or is there something more to do? Does the government need to get involved in this? Is there, are there penalties that need to be paid? How do you deal with it? Yeah, so there's always been the argument from defenders of Twitter and Facebook is that they are private companies, therefore they are not required to abide by First Amendment laws. That is correct. What we have here is Twitter ruling on behalf of the Biden administration. And according to the Wall Street Journal, that turns Twitter into a state actor because they're providing the government a workaround to the First Amendment, which prohibits them from censoring critics of their rule. Well, Twitter as a third party is censoring those critics on behalf of the Biden administration or work. And we know Facebook, similarly, according to founder Mark Zuckerberg did the same thing in November of 2020 because the FBI warned of incoming Russian disinformation. So you don't stop here. This is a First Amendment issue now. So we have to pressure somehow and maybe congressional action to get Facebook, TikTok and YouTube to also disclose to what degree they acted on behalf of the government, because not only did Twitter do it, Facebook did it. And I'm very certain Google did the same thing between 
Gmail, YouTube, and various other tech platforms. So Twitter, to me, is just the start of this. Now it's about getting those other companies that are not owned by Elon Musk to be transparent about the actions they took between 2020 and now. Mm. All right. uh, Last one for you here, Bobby. Totally off topic. This weekend, the movie Avatar comes out. This sort of environmentalist uh, cartoon thing from James Cameron. Am I wrong to be wishing that it fails more than anything else in the entire world? No, you're not (laughs) wrong. Although I will say this. I got to know why. Because there's these stooges, stew that say all the new movies suck. And a lot of times that's right. But every once in a while I go to the theater and find some movie that's actually really good, but undercover. So I'm worried that you've been Netflix eyes. Why you just hate all new movies and want to just stay home in your pajamas and watch Netflix, Hulu, Amazon prime and Tubi when people like me are out there at the theaters trying out new movies. So I got to know the reason why you're rooting for it to fail because I'm rooting for it to fail, but I'm not rooting for movie theaters to fail. I'm rooting for Avatar to fail. Yes, I'm totally with you on that. I love movie theaters. Like, my favorite thing to do is go to a dine-in movie theater. I think they're the greatest invention, maybe, of all time. I mean, maybe of all time. Uh, But I just, James Cameron, this dumb environmentalist, anti-human, anti-American message, dressed up in a bunch of technology, three and a half hours. I just want it to fail. And they're spending so much money on it. I'm, I'm afraid it's going to be really popular, but it's just, I... I just wanted to die a very sad movie death. That's all. That's all I'm saying, Bobby. That's it. Uh, Bobby Barak, he's uh, over at OutKick. Uh, Thanks so much for coming back on the program. And I hope you'll be with me in rooting for Avatar to fail this weekend. I will be. And Stu, just want to say when I got on here, your producers complimented my hair and said that I once again outdid you. So I don't (laughs) want to disclose who said it. But I just want you to know that your staff isn't really a fan of your hairdo tonight. And they are a fan of mine. All right. Well, I'm 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 very self-conscious now, and I will try to continue the program here in just a second. But I appreciate that, Bobby. Thanks, man. Talk soon. There you have it. The very, the very sexy and handsome Bobby Burak. You know, uh, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things you can do, and it can be ten times worse if you're not working with the right agent. So, what do you do? you got to find the right person. What do, you, do you go to a Starbucks and hopefully you bump into somebody? You see something on the little notepad there, like a little t- uh, tack board? Oh, I'm, I could be a real estate agent. Do you go by uh, a, a bus bench and wait for the homeless person to sit up? And behind his vomit, you can see some smiling face that says, call me to sell your home. Don't do that stuff. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. There you will find the best real estate agents in your town, whether you're buying a home or selling a home, you need someone on your side. And you can find that person at realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out today, realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, we got another uh, episode of, of one of my favorite segments. Before we do that, can we play the Biden thing one more time? Do we have that still? Let's play the, the stupid Biden thing we open the show with one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Cisco Systems and Cyber, Cyber Bastion, a diaspora-owned small business. And this will include partnerships between African-American, African-American companies to provide cybersecurity services to help save lives and combat COVID-19, particularly in Prosper Africa deal room. That sounds like something that we shouldn't be saying. Proper, you know, Prosper Africa deal room. 
kept asking, where's the, where's the deal room? <laughs> I think I'm looking at it. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. We are so screwed. We are so screwed. But uh, I don't know. That thing just, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's, it's like every day we could do these things. And we do them like almost every day. There's just more clips of him doing that type of stuff. How, how is this country still operating? I mean, do we even need a president? Maybe we shouldn't even elect a new one. Just remove him from office and then just leave the, the whole White House empty. I think it would work out fine. All right, it's time for another uh, episode of Idiots Gluing Themselves to Things. Yes, it's one of my favorite topics. Why is this happening? No one knows. No one knows. Environmentalists, for some reason, have adopted a tactic where they go and glue themselves to things to, I guess, draw attention to the environment. No one can seem to piece this together. And none of them seem to be able to do this properly. Like, you wouldn't think gluing yourself to something would be hard. You wouldn't wake up in the morning and be like, oh, gosh, today's the day I have to glue myself to something. That's going to be incredibly difficult. Yet these people can't seem to do it. So let me give you an example, yet another example of an idiot gluing themselves to something. But again, the entire process ending in miserable and utter failure. This one is, uh, let's see. The climate activists in Munich, they are, and they are, they can't remember, the last generation, it's called, is the name of this group. And they keep trying this, at least this is one of the groups that is trying it. The last generation activists in Germany. And let me just give you a kind of a, a quick four-part four part story of idiots gluing themselves to things. Part one, they have buckets of glue. And they pour the glue all over themselves and on the street because they've decided to glue themselves to the street. Now, you can see it's freezing cold, okay? It's, a, it's Germany, it's the winter, it's really cold. So, if you kind of zoom in here, you can see, like, the glue is sort of almost like breaking up on their hands. They're trying, though, to glue themselves to the street. They've taken a knee, basically, in the glue. And I guess this is to block traffic. Well, obviously the glue is too cold, so what do you do? They just decided instead to just, I guess, kneel and hold hands. So they're now holding hands in the middle of the street for the climate or something. And uh, how did it end up? Well, you know, five minutes later, of course, they just pulled them off because the glue didn't hold them to the street because it was too cold. So they, again, again failed. I mean, think of if your entire day was based around the idea that you're going to glue yourself to the street and you said to yourself, holy crap, we couldn't even do that. We're failures at gluing ourselves to things. What do you do with the rest of your life? You failed at the most pathetic task possible. And you might say, well, what could possibly be sadder than failing to glue yourself to a street? Might I present to you succeeding in gluing yourself to the street? Activists from the same organization attempted just that. He put, he put his hand down, he put glue down, he decided to try to glue himself to the street. In fact, it worked so well because sand got all mixed in. There was a sand sort of concrete mixture that got all you know wrapped up there as he glued himself to the street. So they had to come in and cut his hand out of the pavement. And this is his hand now. For those on podcast, I mean, he looks like... He's wearing a cement glove, basically, a tar, 
you know, street tar glove because it, it can, they can't get the street off of his hand. Now, of course, he's no longer blocking traffic, so he did fail at the protest, but he did succeed in gluing himself to something, and now he's walking around so, almost like Edward Scissorhands. He can't do anything with a hand anymore because it's now a block of cement. These people are idiots, and those idiots at least attempted to glue themselves to something, and that's why we have the segment, and we keep repeating it over and over again. Another segment we could do almost every day. Idiots gluing themselves to things. I was talking to Glenn uh, earlier today, and we were talking about what's the biggest story of the year. And I think the biggest story of the year is 624-22. It's the overturn of Roe versus Wade. I know. I mean, whoever thought it was going to be possible. But it's important to understand that that did not end the battle. It just allowed it to begin. Before this happened, you couldn't even you couldn't even pass a law, really, about abortion in this country. Well, now you can. Some red states have taken the right steps. However, there's a big story in The New York Times today. Hey, the left is actually winning the abortion battle. We have to make sure we continue to fight this battle. And how do you fight it? Well, you fight it uh, with someone like Preborn on your side. Preborn introduces mothers considering abortion to their unborn babies through ultrasound. When they hear the heartbeat, about 80% of them will choose life. That's huge. I don't know what the number is, but it's tens of thousands of babies that you have helped save. Think about that. Tens of thousands of babies are alive today that would not have been alive otherwise because of you and, of course, the efforts of preborn. That's amazing. They also support the mothers after birth with all sorts of clothes and diapers and counseling and all the stuff that the left always says, oh, well, uh, if, you, if you want abortion to go away, well, why don't you help them with like uh, car seats and maternity clothes? Okay, yeah, sure, that's what preborn does. For just $28, you can rescue a baby's life. You can sponsor five ultrasounds for $140. Through a match, your gift is doubled. If you happen to be one of these big wigs out there, maybe you had a really good year, maybe uh, you, know, you invested in the right stocks, you bought, uh, I don't know, you shorted cryptocurrency, whatever you happen to do, you have a bunch of cash, you want to make a last-minute donation here for the end-of-the-year tax stuff, I can't recommend. I can't recommend them enough. Uh, our goal is to save 50,000 Blaze babies. We're really close to that goal. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. Pound 250, the keyword is baby. Or you can donate securely at preborn.com slash stew. P-R-E-B-O-R-N, preborn.com slash stew. We played that stupid Joe Biden clip a couple of times today, and it was just absolutely ridiculous. And you might think, well, where, where did that come from? What was the speech about? And what if I told you it was even dumber than the clip we played? <laughs> I kid you not, Biden is in trouble uh, by some because he's decided to sell, send South Africa $8 billion to shut down coal plants. Because, you know, in Africa, they just have too much reliable electricity. And we got to make sure they shut down the reliable electricity so they can replace it with unreliable renewables. Because that's uh, how you make the world a better place. A very Biden Christmas. Hey, if you can gonna give you $8 billion, you need a big stocking. I hope South Africa is prepared. Uh, New York is uh, having their share of problems as well. 
Imagine the chaos this is going to cause. 30 years worth of evidence, including DNA, was possibly destroyed in an NYPD storage facility blaze. I don't know, were they just at like public storage? They're just like, hey, they got a bunch of blood from past murders. Let's store it here. Don't they have a fire suppression system of any kind? I don't know. Apparently not. But they now think, you know, things like rape kits and um, evidence from all sorts of uh, biological evidence, uh, e-bikes, cars, DNA uh, from incidents like shootings, burglaries, um, all sorts of stuff, all just destroyed because uh, they apparently didn't have an appropriate fire suppression system in New York. So, I mean, you think about the chaos it's going to cause because, I mean, first of all, uh, if you're a criminal and you're in prison and they said they had evidence against you, now's the time to appeal. How are they going to reproduce this evidence? They're not going to be able to, you're going to say, no, they don't actually have that evidence. Secondarily, this is really going to make a huge, uh, uh, take a huge impact on the uh, Netflix documentary scene. Because every Netflix documentary is based on DNA that's been stored away for many, many years, a cold case, and then they find some blood and some new evidence, and they bring it back, and they match the DNA, and then they bring the person in, and they talk to them, and they deny it, and it goes back and forth for a while, and at the end, you don't know what happened at all. But you think you're going to know, and, and that's the exciting part about it. By the way, before I go, some good news, because I've given you some bad news today, and I, I apologize for that. So we're getting close to Christmas time. Let me give you some good news. Taco Bell is now testing two new Mexican pizza varieties. Yes, the Mexican pizza went away. That was this year. Think about that. There were other big events this year, 624-22, Russian invasion of Ukraine, blah, 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 blah. But remember, Taco Bell took the Mexican pizza off the menu this year. Then they brought it back. Now they're bringing it back again with two new varieties. They are saying one is called the cheesy jalapeno Mexican pizza, described as cheesier and spicier, as you may have expected from the name of it. And also, the Triple Decker. Uh, it's a triple crunch Mexican pizza, three layers instead of two. It has more to love and has twice the beans and the beef. Costs $5.99. You know, there's a lot of problems with America. And then there's Taco Bell. Okay. So here's what happened. TV's hard. It's hard to come up with new shows. Kind of hard to come up with new ideas. A lot of them are really expensive. That's kind of why we have the rise of reality TV, right? You know, it's, it's a lot cheaper to produce. You just get people no one's ever heard of. You don't have to pay them big salaries. They all want to be on TV. It's nice and easy. Uh, and, of course, it gets a little bit out of control because everyone's trying to outdo the other networks. We saw this, uh, you know, TV shows now make fun of this, this whole process, right? We saw this years and years ago uh, with a segment from the TV show 30 Rock. You guys gonna do any work today or? Zip it, MILF Island is on. Oh. 20 MILFs, 58th grade boys, no rules. And tonight, one winner. Welcome to MILF Island. All right. Oh, you suck. This show is the worst. Didn't one of those MILFs die during production? She had too much champagne and a monkey knocked her into some quicksand. It could happen anywhere. <laughs> so was it 20 or 30 MILFs and 50 eighth grade boys with no rules? That was the made up concept from 30 Rock years ago. Now I present to you the Learning Channel, TLC, and their new idea for a show. 
life has given me some curveball. I think it's my time to find love. I was married for 14 years. I want to get a chance to do me a little. Young men have much more energy. They think out of the box. I want that. Especially in the bedroom. <laughs> I'm ready to connect with somebody who doesn't really care how old I am. I'm just looking to have fun. Here we go. What the hell? It just got real. Yes, so January 15th, MILF Manor is coming. To a TV near you. I, I know I can't wait. And the twist, I, I don't even want to think about what the twist is. All I know is that it's probably incest. Okay, so uh, before we leave, uh, let me tell you about tomorrow's program. We're going to have A Christmas Twist, the greatest Christmas movie of all time. You'll get to see that. And so many other great, great Christmas uh, nonsense we'll present to you. So we'll see you then. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>